Hey moms, welcome to the Mom Mindset Show, where we talk all things mom life from A to Z. I'm your host, Rachel Benson. I'm a wife, a mom of six, a grandma of seven, a real estate agent, and a life coach for moms. I've been through every age and stage of motherhood, and I've never met one I didn't like. I've also never met one that didn't come with its share of challenges and personal growth. As moms, we set the mood and tone of the home. We're the emotional support and the cheerleaders for everyone in the house, not to mention the cook, the chauffeur, and the housekeeper. There's a lot to know and do, and that's what I'm here to help with. I want to help you create the home and family life of your dreams. And I do that not only by helping you with the skill set, but more importantly, the mindset that can really help you succeed as a mom. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about what's on your mind today. Hey, mom friends, how you doing? I'm glad you're here today. How's everything going in your little part of the world? Things are going great here in my part of the world. I'm heading out on a trip to a different part of the world, and it's actually a place that really inspires me, and you're going to be surprised when I say where it is. It's Waco, Texas, and I'm just going there to see all the tourism stuff that the Gaines, Chip and Joanna Gaines have created there. Joanna Gaines is one of my big role models because, of course, she's in real estate, and then she's in retail, and she writes, and she does all these things that I love as well. And so I've been to Waco a couple of times, and it just really inspires me to see what she and Chip have created over 20 years. I'm someone that's always wanted to live like a big, exciting life. And so I just see that, and it just gets me really excited for the possibilities And I mean, they've created a tourist destination. They have magazines, all the TV shows, in fact, a whole TV network. And I don't know that my life is ever going to look like that. But it's just, it's just amazing to see what can be created from something that that starts small. And it just helps me dream bigger when I go there. So yeah, Waco, Texas is a fun place for me. It's like a pilgrimage for me. I want to talk to you today. I'm calling this episode L is for Love Part 2 because I also talked about love last week in connection with Valentine's Day. And one of the things that I talked about in terms of creating more love at home is the five love languages that a lot of people are familiar with. It's a book written by Gary Chapman, but it's about 30 years old. But that's so it's become kind of common in our society to talk about what's your love language. And, and we seem to talk about that in terms of my spouse or people in my life need to understand my love language and serve me accordingly. And that's always kind of bothered me because I don't think it's very empowering to like, tell your spouse, hey, this is my love language, and I need you to learn it and speak it fluently. And essentially, we're asking them to become someone they're not, maybe, to serve us and meet our needs. And that's never how I like to look at life, because if we're waiting around for other people to meet our needs, we're we're giving them all the power over our feelings. And it just doesn't work to expect people to act in a way that's not natural to them and to say, oh, they're not loving me well if they don't speak my love language. So my tendency is to want to turn that on its head and say, hey, my love language is quality time. So I am going to look for ways to create 
quality time with my partner or with my kids. And then maybe we use that time to do something that speaks to their love language. If their love language is physical touch, maybe we're going to cuddle and watch a movie. Or we can think in terms of using our love language to complement their love language. For instance, my husband is very, I would say he's very service oriented. He shows a lot of love through just serving us constantly. He'll always be taking care of the kids, feeding them. He does the laundry. He does the dishes all the time. I know everyone wants to throw things at me now if their husband is not like that, but he does those kinds of things. And he honestly loves laundry. He loves the warmth of it. He loves the orderliness of just getting something done and put away and and squared away. And I am not necessarily like him in terms of just always doing things for others, but I am very good with words. And so I try to express appreciation for him when he is serving and loving us in those ways. So I think that noticing the ways that people are expressing love, even if it's not the way that we would necessarily want it to be, that we would necessarily want to receive love, if we're always thinking, oh, they need to be this way for me, then we miss the love that they are giving, whether it's to us or to other people in their lives. So I want to create a phrase. I want to say, look for the love. Look for the love that people give and how they give it in their own way instead of constantly wanting people to change to give us love in in a different way. As moms, we are leaders in our home. And if we are looking for the good in others and looking for the ways that they are giving love and we praise that, you know, we get more of whatever we praise and we find what we're looking for and things we focus on expand. So let's try and change that focus and get into where we're noticing um, how people are giving love. Like with our teenagers, for example, maybe they're not going to give us big bear hugs. Probably not. But are they loyal to their friends and their teammates? Do they watch out for their younger brother or sister? Things like that can be beautiful expressions of love that we might be missing if it doesn't naturally speak to us. So this podcast is not going to be about those five love languages that we're familiar with. It's actually going to be about what I'm going to call universal love languages. I gave a lot more thought to this, and we even had a discussion about it on our family messenger that I have with my kids and their spouses. And we started talking about things like, what does quality time mean to you? If, if you say quality time is your love language, what does that mean? Like, how much is it a certain amount of time? Is it doing certain activities? And we just all kind of came to the conclusion that, no, it's really just if someone gives me their time at all, if they let me know that they want to spend time with me, that's what means so much to me. So I I gave a lot of thought to this, and I came up with at least four ways that I feel like everyone can receive love and feel love and ways that we can all be empowered to give love. And a lot of these things that I'm going to share, you're probably already doing them as the awesome moms that you are. But anything that we do with more intention, when we do it with purpose and 
notice that we're doing it and try to find ways to do even more of it and do it better, we can really increase the level of love in our home and the the love that we feel inside, the the good feeling that we get inside when we're serving our family members with love. So for today, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to call four universal love languages. And they're things that we can all do and they're simple. And I hope that you'll find some that speak to you and that you can incorporate into your daily life. And like I said, you're already probably doing them, but maybe you're not thinking about them as expressions of love. The first one I'm going to talk about is offering support. Now, support could be something as big as, say, putting someone through college financially, doing something for them that they can't financially do for themselves, or it can be something as small as words of encouragement. We, as moms, we give so much support. You know, we're in the classroom, we're driving kids to lessons, we're taking care of their health needs and getting them to the doctor, and we're doing so many things like that already. But have you ever thought about that as an expression of love? Because it truly is. And it's also a way that we can use our natural gifts and talents and interests to serve others. The first example that comes to mind for me is my kids have been involved in a lot of performing groups over the years, and we've always had moms that have taken care of organizing the trips and helping with the food. I've been the food mom myself a number of times, and and I've been able to offer support that way because that is a skill that I have learned over the years is to feed big groups of people on a budget and quickly And it's been so fun because it's not only been a huge help to these performing groups and these hungry performers who are in long rehearsals and things like that, but it's been a way that I have met friends. And when we're there and we're involved and we're offering support, it's a great opportunity for us. It becomes a social outlet and it becomes just a way of of serving and loving others that can be so personally fulfilling as well. One way that I feel like I've received support in my life is from my husband. He is so good at listening to all my crazy ideas. I am an idea person. I come up with a lot of ideas and I don't necessarily execute on them all, but just the fact that he listens is so meaningful to me while he'll just listen while I bounce ideas off of him. And another thing he's been super supportive in is letting me like invest in myself because that's something I also really like to do. And so he's been supportive that way. So is that a way that you can give support to others is supporting them in their dreams? Sometimes when a friend will say like, I'm going to run a marathon, The rest of us are like, you're crazy. Oh my goodness, why would you even want to do that? That sounds terrible. I used to do this a lot because I'm not a runner. I've always dreamed of being a runner, but it's just never really been physically possible for me. So when someone would talk about running a marathon, to me that just sounded like death. But then one day I was like, good for them. And I want to be the supportive friend that says, you can do it, or even show up at the finish line or on the sidelines and be someone that's there cheering them on. And 
for the people in our lives, for the people in our family, that is a way that we can be supportive that requires no money. It's just like giving encouragement and saying, you will be amazing at that. Sometimes when our kids or family members come up with something they want to do that sounds maybe a little far-fetched or whatever, we might tend to be like moms and start to point out all the potential pitfalls and obstacles to them, or just like, oh, there's no way that's too expensive or something like that. But if we can just give people encouragement and maybe pause before we start telling them all the things that they need to worry about to do whatever that thing is that they're talking about, we can we can become a source of strength for them. And that is an amazing way to show love. One of the things that I also think about with this is that it can actually be almost an antidote to worry when we start thinking about how we can support someone. When we're worried about our kids, say they're going through some health problems and we're just worrying, worrying doesn't really make people better. So I like to think to myself, how can I support them best? And that is a a more empowering position to come from. I like to believe that my kids will be okay, that everything will turn out okay, and sort of ponder on how to help from that that position, that thought is so empowering. They're going to be okay. They need to make it through this. This is how we grow. And then I love to ask the question, what support do you need from me? And how can I help instead of just fretting over them and things like that? So I want you to think about this and think about the people in your life and how can you be more supportive. And ideally, people show up and support us too, and that does happen. Maybe it's not our husband supporting us in a way that we would love to have him do in certain situations, but maybe it's other people. I do find that the universe has a way of supporting us in our in our dreams and in the direction that we're supposed to go. It just might not be coming from the most obvious source or the source that we're looking for. And we always have ourselves. We can always support ourselves. And honestly, that is absolutely essential. When you are working on things and you're struggling through things, it's so valuable to give yourself support and encouragement, just mentally inside your head, not beating yourself up for when you fail, but saying, I'm going to make it. I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to do this. I can do this. Um, When we tell ourselves we can't do something, like if we're just worn out from mom life and we're like, I can't do this, that is an opportunity that we actually have to turn that around and support ourselves and say, yeah, I can do this. Maybe I just need a good night of sleep or something like that and find those ways to support ourselves. That is an amazing way of loving ourselves along with loving others. The next universal love language I'm going to talk about might sound a little surprising at first, but I'm going to call it tone. We've all heard it said, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And This is never more true than in family life. Our family members, especially our children, are so sensitive to our tone. And you're also going to hear me say often that moms set the mood and tone of the home. Now, I know that's not always true, and I'm not meaning to leave dads out of this or 
make them not responsible for the tone in the home. But so often it's moms that we have those little day-to-day interactions with the kids where we can build them up with a positive tone or we can, without meaning to, use a tone that's hurried, rushed, impatient, um, frustrated. And that is something that kids pick up on. They won't say it. They won't... um, you know, tell us, hey, mom, like, relax, be patient with me. But they're picking up on that. And it actually raises their cortisol levels, their stress levels. And, you know, to use that as an example, when we are trying to rush our little kids, little kids cannot rush, they don't know how. And so when we're trying to do that, we're going to get ourselves upset and stressed and them upset and stressed. So that is a really good opportunity to practice just our patience that when we have little kids, we have to move at a little kid pace and be be understanding of that and plan accordingly. And things will go so much more smoothly when we're patient with our kids because they get tied up in knots really easily when when we're using an impatient tone with them. And tone is just so useful in so many ways. I work with so many couples in my real estate practice. And, you know, every one of us as, you know, whoever we're in a relationship with, we have a way that we communicate. We have a tone between us. And it just gets into being a a pattern that we don't even notice how we, you know, the tone that we use when we talk to our spouse or our kids. And it's something that can be really, really good to clue into and to practice. We can convey so much love through our tone of voice and keeping our voice calm can help create a feeling of love and peace in our home in a way that almost nothing else can. And it doesn't cost a thing. It's just an intentional practice that we can be mindful about and improve our home life in such a simple, doable way. Have you guys ever seen that meme that's like the first time I ask my kids to do something, I have my Mary Poppins voice. And 15 minutes later, I'm using my Batman voice, you know, that scary mom voice that we can get into. My kids are so sensitive to this doesn't matter what someone's age is. If we are defensive, if we're using a mocking or sarcastic tone, that hurts people. And that is something that we can take full responsibility for and develop a tone that's calm and loving. Just to give you an example of this, my husband is on a ton of calls for work. He works with banks and writes software for banks. And so there are a million meetings that take place over the phone So he's not seeing people face to face. And a lot of times he'll come home at the end of the day and he'll comment on the tone that people had in, in the various work meetings. And they always sound cheerful or, you know, they sounded like they didn't want to be there or they were frustrated with us, things like that. And isn't that so interesting how we always pick up on that in people's voices? And even we send so many texts, of course, doesn't your tone in your text convey something too? So here's an amazing opportunity to speak this universal love language of tone and and keep working to improve our tone in all of our different communications, whether it's a text or a call or 
a face-to-face interaction. It's something amazing that we can do for our loved ones. The next one I wanted to touch on is attention. Attention is important to every single human being. And I think we all know that when our kids need attention, they are going to get it one way or the other. So if it's through bad behavior and that's what gets them attention, that's what they're going to do. And you know what? It works. Like, don't we notice that in a big hurry much more than we notice when our kids are on track and behaving throughout the day? That tends to be what we give our attention to is is the blow-ups and the fights and the disobedience and that kind of thing. And if we can work to turn our attention to the positives, we're going to get more of that. Like I was just talking about, you get more of whatever you praise and give attention to. So getting back to what I was saying in the beginning, my family was talking a little bit about like the love language of quality time. And we all kind of came to the conclusion that we just love it when people want to spend time with us, when they give us any kind of positive attention. And so um, I think this is just universal. It doesn't have to be quality time in terms of like, I put down my phone, I turn my full attention to you to be meaningful or positive. It just needs to be I'm paying attention to you. I'm listening to you. There's some really amazing research done by John Gottman, who's the leading marriage researcher. And one of the things I always remember from learning from his books was there's this concept of turning towards, is what they call it, which sounds a little weird, but let me explain. Um, Whenever we have an interaction with someone, in his case, he's studying marriage, so when we have an interaction with our spouse, It can be the simplest little thing, and it's an opportunity where we can, what they call, turn towards them. So for instance, if our spouse says, hey, do you know what the weather's going to be like today? We can say, oh, you know what? I heard it was going to snow, or I think it's going to be super nice, or we can be not really paying attention, just be like, "Um, I don't know. Or we can be downright sarcastic and be like, oh, I wish there was an app where we could check that, you know, so we can have that opportunity of the littlest interactions to turn toward our spouse or our kids and give them our attention. And those little things, actually, in the marriage research, that was one of the biggest predictors of if a couple would stay together or get divorced, was how the little day-to-day interactions go. When my husband's watching the Golf Channel, Sometimes he's like, ah, oh my goodness. And if I will pause and say, what? What happened? Show me, you know, instead of just going on and not really paying attention, it's his thing. He'll enjoy showing me a really cool, you know, hole in one that someone got or something. And that is a little way to connect that's so simple, but so meaningful. And when it comes to our kids, there's a million ways to show them that we're giving their attention We're giving them our attention without it being undivided attention necessarily. But if we're going to give some really good attention, my favorite way has always been reading with my kids. That is something where, you know, I put down the phone, cuddle up with them. That's the best part is the cuddles and just read with them. And kids are so attentive and they're so quiet and 
that is just one amazing way to give attention to kids that builds their um, mental capacity. You know, I mean, I think the benefits of reading with your children is extremely well documented. And it can be just such a simple, special bonding time. I think all of our kids got read to until they were about 12. And they all loved, especially hearing my husband read uh, the Harry Potter books. He could do like all the voices from the movie. And even as they've gotten older, we went on a trip last summer with our youngest two kids. And we just listened to the Harry Potter books together. And it was something that we were all focusing on and paying attention to together, where on other trips, we've sometimes all been doing our own thing, watching a movie and listening to music or listening to separate books or whatever. And that's fine, too. But it was really special this last summer to just listen to a book together. And things like that are simple ways to give our attention to our family members. And there's so many of them. And it's just an opportunity to express love in a way that almost nothing else can. There's lots more I could say on that, but just give some attention to the idea of attention and how um, how much attention you're paying to the people around you versus what's going on on your phone. Because, I mean, let's face it, there's always something interesting, exciting, urgent going on on our phones. But that makes it even more meaningful to give the actual human living people right around us our attention. So the last one I want to touch on today is affection. And again, just like attention, every human being needs affection, no matter who you are. And some people are super not touchy. They don't like hugs. Um, One of my sons is like that. And it's kind of a, a joke in our house. But he's still likes attention and affection. Everyone does. So beyond giving hugs and kisses, which are amazing, but our kids, you know, get to a certain age and that's just not something we do nearly as much. But with little kids, as much as much touching and hugging and kissing as possible is amazing for their emotional development. But if it's someone older, if it's not necessarily a family member, that would be appropriate to be hugging and kissing. There are so many other ways to show affection. We can just smile at someone. I remember hearing this story years ago about a mom who had a teenage son who she sensed was struggling, and she just didn't know how to reach him. And as I recall, she prayed about it, and the impression that came to her was just to smile at him more. And she thought, what's that going to do? But she did it, and she didn't know if, you know, it was really having an impact until a few years later, her son actually came back and said to her, Mom, when I was struggling, when I was a teenager, you smiled at me a lot, and that really helped. So that is just something to think about. Our smile, our, our, um, (laughs) I lost the word, our, um, Nonverbal cues are super important and can convey a lot of affection. A pat on the head, a pat on the back, an arm around the shoulder, a high five, a compliment, um, laughing together. Laughing together is so good for relationships. I love to just send a funny meme to my kids or get one from them. That's just like the perfect funny meme. Did you know there's memes on every 
topic. Yesterday, my daughter has a celebrity crush on Matthew McConaughey. And I was I was teasing her. I was like, oh, Matthew McConaughey loves you. And then I found this meme. There's actually a whole bunch of memes just on Matthew McConaughey. And it was like, I love women. I was like, see, he loves you. And it's just a moment to laugh, a moment to bond. It's just like with the attention thing. It doesn't take long to show some affection and just lift someone up that way. So I hope you'll give some additional thought to these four ideas that I've touched on that I'm now coining the universal love languages, which are support, tone, attention, and affection. And there are more. I'm going to keep keep going on this idea because I think it's really important. And bonus points, if you can give affection in a way that speaks to someone's love language, that will be even more effective in building those bonds of love that we all want more of. So until next week, thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed talking to you about this and thinking about this. And I would love to hear from you anytime. You can go to my website, mom-mindset.com and comment on the podcast, or you can reach out to me, Rachel at mom-mindset.com. I also have a Pinterest page where um, my daughter and I have been working on getting like my blog content and my podcast content on there. So enjoy your week and I will talk to you when I get back from my pilgrimage to Austin and especially Waco, Texas. Hey mama, thanks for listening to the show today. If you enjoy the ideas I share on my podcast, but you want some help applying them to your personal situation, I want to invite you to learn more about my coaching program where I talk to moms on a one-on-one coaching and group calls. We can talk about anything from the personal challenges that you're experiencing in marriage or motherhood to the goals and dreams that you have for yourself. To find out more and download a copy of my free book, Mom Mindset A to Z, visit mom-mindset.com. I'd love to see you there.